I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, whatever you read on, and today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Now, I recognize that Matthew might be kind of difficult to find if you're not familiar with the Bible. Uh, So here's what I would encourage you to do if you need help uh, locating Matthew today. If you're in a, a physical Bible, open up to the very beginning to the table of contents. Believe me, there is no shame in using the table of contents when it comes to the Bible. There are 66 books in this library, and so Uh, please feel free to go to the table of contents. There, you're going to find that the Bible actually has two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, Matthew, the book we're in today, is the first book of the New Testament. So find that big section of the New Testament. Matthew's the first book in. Go to that page and then flip through until you get to chapter 5. Now, if you're in an app, just pull down the list of the books of the Bible, and you'll find Matthew is almost two-thirds of the way down that list of books. So Matthew chapter 5. Now, have you ever been in a super dark room before? Uh, My wife and I like to have our bedroom very, very dark when we sleep. And so uh, I generally am the first one to get up. And so I'll get up, uh, I'll go into the bathroom so I can take my shower and get ready for the morning. And so I walk in, I shut the door to the bathroom and I turn the lights on. So my eyes get adjusted to this bright light that's in the bathroom. I go through my process in the morning and a few uh, months back, I was getting ready and I had gotten dressed and went to, uh, decided I needed to go to, out of the bathroom back into the bedroom uh, so that I could go downstairs and fix myself some breakfast. And I realized that I had left my water, uh, my, my water cup on the nightstand of the dresser next to the bed. And so I, I turned the lights off in the bathroom and I opened the door and I walk out. And of course, my eyes had been adjusted to the bright light of the bathroom. And so I look out into my bedroom and it is pitch black darkness. I can't see anything. I can't see my hand in front of my face. And I thought, I can navigate this. I can make my way to the nightstand to get my cup of water. And so I began navigating around and luckily I made it right to the nightstand. I grabbed my water, I felt around and grabbed my water. And then I realized, okay, now I have to make my way to the door that goes out of our bedroom into the hallway. I thought, I can do this. And so I did the whole, you've done this, I did the whole like uh, putting my hands in front of me and and waving, uh, kind of feeling around as I'm walking. And I'm walking and I'm feeling around and and I get to a point where I'm like, I should have gotten to the door by now. Uh, My wife's still asleep, I'm trying to be quiet. And and so I thought, well, I'll just take one or two more long steps and and I'll get to that door because I should be just right there. But I stopped doing this. I just reached out in front of me and I took one big step and my hand hit the light switch in the bedroom and the lights, these bright lights come on all of a sudden. My wife goes, what? And so I turned the light off real quick. And this is the moment where in a scary movie, the, the actor who was being chased or whatever would look back. I didn't even look back. I heard the ominous music playing in the background and knew that my life was in danger. And so I just immediately grabbed the handle of the door and I booked it out of the room. I felt so bad. I felt so terrible that I had turned the lights on while my wife was sleeping. And it was all because I was in pitch black darkness. 
<laughs> have you ever been in a situation? Maybe you're, uh, there's the age old, the, the old adage about walking around in the dark if you have kids and stepping on a Lego and that Lego just piercing into your foot and the pain that it causes because you were walking around in darkness. And today we're going to talk about the importance of light, the light of Jesus. You know, we've, we've been in this series and today is the last in, in our series that we've been in since the early part of January. We've been in this series called The Church and Culture. And in that series, we've been discussing what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in a culture that doesn't really like the followers of Jesus. And today we're gonna kind of wrap all this up. We're gonna pull all those ideas that we've been talking about since January. And we're gonna pull it together because all of this comes together to show us what it looks like to be the light of Jesus in the lives around us. You wanna live like a follower of Jesus in a culture that doesn't really like the followers of Jesus? Be the light of Jesus. That's how we do it. And so I want you to take your Bibles or your apps and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 14. Matthew 5, verse 14. Now let me give you some background on what's going on here. Jesus has started his ministry. He, he's going out and performing miracles and doing all this stuff. And people are, he, he's kind of getting famous. People are talking about him. And he finds himself in this one location. And this large group has gathered. And Jesus in this moment decides to use that opportunity to teach them about the kingdom of God. And so he starts this discussion, and this is famously called, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are famously called uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, towards the beginning, he talks about being light. So pick up with me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It says this, and Jesus is speaking. He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now we're going to come back here, so, so don't lose your place. But think about it. We're called by this passage, we're called to be light. Now, we're called to be light of the world. What is the purpose of light? Well, my story made it pretty clear. Light helps us to see in the darkness. It, it pierces the darkness. It conquers our darkness so that we can get around, so that we can see our surroundings. And I'm sure you've been in situations where you've noticed even the tiniest amount of light can make such a huge difference in the darkness that's around you. you know, I have a four-year-old son and he has this small nightlight in his bedroom and believe me, it does not put off much light. But you turn that little nightlight on and turn his big room lights off and within a few seconds, you can see everything in the room from that teensy tiny light. The smallest amount of light in a world of darkness can make all of the difference for those who are lost, who, who can't see, who, who, who are fumbling around in spiritual darkness. 
So light is designed. The purpose of light is to, to show us the world around us, to show us the way when we're in darkness. But if we are light, then what is our purpose? Obviously, we're talking about spiritual life. Spiritually, if we're called to be light, what is our purpose? Is our purpose to get our way? Is our purpose to fight for our preferences, either uh, in the church or in politics or in our life? Is our purpose to fight for our freedoms? Is our purpose to fight for our freedom of speech or freedom of religion or, or freedom of press or whatever? Is that what the Bible says is light to the world of darkness? Is, our, is being a light, is that purpose to be comfortable, to work and to achieve the American dream? I would argue based on this book that none of those things are light. None of the things that I've mentioned are what light is supposed to be spiritually. No, light is to show the way to those who are in spiritual darkness, those who are trapped and lost because of the darkness that they're in. That is the purpose of being a light of the world. We are his light. That's the point. That's the purpose. You want to live for Jesus in a culture that doesn't like the followers of Jesus? Then be a light to those who are in darkness. And that leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever listened to one of my messages, you know that I don't give like five or three points in a sermon. I usually just give one simple point. I want you to walk away with one idea one main idea, one main point, and I call it my big idea. And today's big idea is this. People will struggle to grasp the light of Jesus until they experience the light of Jesus's people. Let that sink in for a moment. People will struggle to grasp the light of Jesus until they experience the light of Jesus's people. Okay, now I get it. You, you may be listening right now and you may be saying, yeah, that theoretically sounds good, but does the Bible really say that? Well, just take this Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, three, three chapters. Just look with me. Take your Bible. Most Bibles have these little headings uh, throughout in each little section to kind of tell you what the topic of that next section is. Look for, with me for just a moment. The beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount begins with what's called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are a calling for us to be poor in spirit, to mourn our sin, to be meek, to be righteous, to show mercy, to be pure, to be peacemakers, and to accept and be joyful, to rejoice in persecution. Isn't that what we've been talking about since the beginning of January? But, but continue, then he talks about being salt and light. And then he talks about uh, that we're not called to be uh, angry, not even insulting or maligning or calling people names. Then he goes on to talk about how we're not supposed to be lusting after other people, uh, people of the opposite sex or people of the same sex. We're not supposed to be lusting. We're not supposed to be 
seeking divorce, but we're supposed to protect our marriage at all cost. Uh, we're to be a person of our word. Uh, we're not called to retaliate, but give even more to the one that asks things of you, no matter who they are or what they stand for. Continuing on the very end of chapter five, Jesus commands us to not hate our enemies, but to love them and bless them and pray for them. Continuing on in verse six, it says to give to the needy. It tells us how to pray and then it commands us to pray and fast. Uh, it continues on later to, to tell us to lay up treasures in heaven and to not worry about the things of this world or, or our own needs. Then it continues in verse se uh, chapter seven to tell us to not judge others. Uh, that you need to address your own sins rather than calling out the sins of the people around you. It says, do to others as you would want them to do to you, the golden rule. Then it talks about us producing spiritual fruit and not being deceived by false teachers. And lastly, the Sermon on the Mount ends with Jesus telling us to build our foundation on him, on the rock that is Jesus and his truth. Now, let me ask you this. What part of the Sermon on the Mount that I've just given a very quick summary of, what part of this sermon sounds like we should be looking out for us or our opinions or our comfort? None of it. Everything in the Sermon on the Mount is about loving God, living in obedience to him, and looking out for others even if we hate them or they hate us. You want to live like Jesus in a culture that doesn't like the followers of Jesus? Then be selfless. Live for God and others above yourself. It's all about obeying God and looking out for others. The, 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 the world around us will struggle to understand the light that Jesus offers until they see the light of Jesus in the, in the Christians, uh, in the world around them. So, do you want to live like a follower of Jesus in this culture? Then live the way Jesus calls you to live in the Bible. Stop living for your opinions. Stop all these different things. Let, let, let's do a quick summary. Let's look back uh, at, at from the beginning of January to now and let's, let's do some highlights of what the Bible says a life for Jesus looks like. First off, we, we looked at Daniel uh, Daniel chapters one through six. And we saw that Daniel and his three friends taught us to know the difference between those things that we personally don't like and those things that Jesus or God in his word actually commands us to be opposed to or concerned about. Uh, don't get wrapped up in the things that you're passionate about if God's not passionate about those things. Then we moved on and we talked about if you want to show others the life-changing hope of Jesus, then we can't live in fear. We can't be obsessed with the things of the world like, like possessions and comfort and politics and, and opinions. We can't live in legalism. We can't live for protecting ourselves or our freedoms or our preferences, but instead we must live in the hope that can only be found in Jesus. We learned that hope is actually totally trusting Jesus for everything in your life. Not worrying, not living in anxiety or fear, but placing all your trust 
in the promise that's found in Romans 8 that all things work together for the good of those who follow Jesus, for his plan, his purposes. We talked about how hope is actually living an upside-down lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that kind of is contrary to the way we want to live or the, the way America tells us that we should live or, or the sinful desires in our hearts want us to pursue. In other words, living that upside-down lifestyle means that we live in humility. And Philippians 2 tells us that humility is placing God and others above ourselves valuing God and others and their interests, their concerns, more than our own interests and concerns. It means living a quiet life. It means not complaining, not being complainers, but being forgiving people, being an understanding people, thinking the best of those around us, even to the point of loving our enemies. All of those things are contrary to the American way. All of those things are contrary to our own sinful desires. It's that selfless, God and others focused lifestyle that is upside down. It's contrary to what makes sense, what we think the world tells us we should be doing. Then it's controlling our thoughts. You want to live for Jesus? Then control your thoughts as Philippians chapter 4 tells us. Thinking on things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, things that are of excellence, things that are worthy of praise. Those are the things that our mind should dwell and focus on. Not on all the hatred, not on all the concerns, not on worries or anxieties or fears, not worrying about others uh, and in the, for the purpose of accusing them, but instead worrying about how we can love others. And through all these commands, to have absolute confidence in God and what he says in his word. That's what hope is. When we talk about the life-changing hope of Jesus, when we say hope, we talk about the absolute confidence in God, who he is, and what he says in his word. So you want to be a light to the world as, as Matthew chapter 5 commands us to? You want to live for Jesus, in a culture that doesn't really like the followers of Jesus, live this way. Live in humility. Live in mercy. Live in grace. Live in unity with one another. That is the call of Jesus. So if you want to live for Jesus, be a light in the world. Uh, let's look at that passage again. Matthew 5, verse 14. It says, You are the light of of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, I grew up in the Texas panhandle, and if you've ever driven uh, like down I-40, Interstate 40, and you've driven through Amarillo, you know that the Texas panhandle is, is just flat, deserty farm and ranching land. It, it, it is flat. You can see as far as the eye can see. There's nothing obstructing your view. 
And I learned that early on as a child. Uh, one time, my dad and I were driving out to my grandparents' farm and ranch, way out, it's about 15 miles outside of the town that my family grew up in. And we're driving along, we're about halfway towards my family's ranch, and my dad stops and pulls the truck over, and he goes, Chad, I wanna show you something. And we got out of the truck, and we hopped into the bed and stood up, and it was, it was night, so it's dark outside. There are no lights around us because we're out in the country and you can see all the stars and it's beautiful and he looks he points around and he says you see that over there and that over there and he points to eight different locations and and as you looked these different these eight different locations you could see this like dome of glow dome of light that's shining up from the ground and he goes this spot right here is so flat that you can see the lights from eight different towns. Some of the towns that we were looking at were more than 60 miles away, and yet you could see the light shining from these towns from, from so far. And my dad was like, this is one of the lowest, uh, one of the flattest spots in this area, and from this point, you can see the lights from eight different towns. And I was blown away. And believe me, there have been times when I've driven to my grandparents' ranch at night and I've stopped at that spot and I've gotten out of my vehicle and I've viewed the surrounding area to see the glow of eight towns located, spread out from that one point. You see, the light of Jesus uh, through this upside down way of living, this, this life of humility and love and caring and mercy, that lifestyle should shine so bright in the lives of the people that you encounter that they can't help but see it. It should be obvious to those around you that you have something different that you have Jesus. They should see the light, the hope that you have and recognize that in their own lives, they're fumbling around in darkness and they want the light that you have. They should want the hope that you have. Your life should be so different. That's what holy means. When you look in the Bible and it says, be holy, holy means that you're set apart, you're different from the, life, the, the lives of the people around you. Your life should be so different, so holy, so joyful, so loving, so patient, uh, patient so peaceful, so kind, so gentle, so faithful, so full of, of gentleness and self-control that people want what you have. Your light should shine in that, in that way. L look at what else this passage says. Verse 15, Jesus says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but instead on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Just like that little nightlight in my son's room, I plug that thing in and I turn it on when I put Declan to bed and I turn those, the, that, that overhead light off and that little nightlight provides just enough light. This tiny, teensy little light provides enough light 
to see in his darkness. And you know what? For that four-year-old, that little tiny amount of light protects him from fear. It gives him hope. It gives him comfort and peace in his world of physical darkness. Our light should be like that. I don't turn Declan's nightlight on and then cover it up with a sheet or a blanket or a basket as this passage says. I let that light shine into his room so that it can achieve the purpose that it is designed to do. Your light should not be covered up. And what does Jesus mean by our light being covered? Or when we get distracted by the ways and the concerns of this world, when we get distracted by our selfishness, our selfish desires and opinions, when we live in our sin instead of turning away from our sin, living in repentance, when we do those things, we cover our light. And we are not effective in providing light, being the light of Jesus in the life of those who are living in darkness. Our call is to penetrate the darkness of those in the world around us. Just like that tiny nightlight penetrates the darkness in my son's room, we are to be that light. And isn't it amazing that the, the tiniest amount of light can pierce darkness? It's, Jesus is not asking, asking something super unachievable. Through his spirit, you can live this way. You can be a light. And let me just say something. Maybe you're listening right now and maybe you don't know Jesus as your savior. And maybe you feel that you're, like you're fumbling around in darkness right now. Maybe the idea of the light of the world being in your life is something that sounds really good. Maybe you've got questions about what this means. Maybe you've got questions about Jesus, who he is and what he's done. Let me just summarize very quickly. Jesus was and is God's one and only son. He came to this earth as a helpless, humble baby. And he lived a life just like you and I do. He was tempted in all the same ways that we're tempted. And yet he lived a perfect, sinless life. He never disobeyed God. He never neglected to do the right thing. And yet he was accused falsely and condemned. And he died on a cross. And that death paid the price for the eternal punishment that we rightly deserve because of our own sin. And on the third day after he died, he rose from the grave in victory over death and over that sin that condemns us. You see, he wants to rescue you from the eternal punishment that your sin brings into your existence. And he wants to pay that punishment. He wants to take on that punishment on himself so that instead of eternal punishment, you can have eternal life with him. And if you've got questions, if you wanna know more, about who Jesus is and what a journey with Jesus looks like, I want you to do something right now. I want you to click on the link that's down at the bottom of the post of this video. It takes you to uh, our website, to the contact us page. I want you to click that link or just go to our website, to the contact us page, fill out that form, and I will personally reach out to you as soon as I can. 
And I would love to talk to you, answer any questions that you may have, show you what a journey with Jesus looks like. Or if you're ready to make a decision, I wanna help you and lead you in making that decision for Jesus. But please reach out to us. We want you to have the opportunity to respond to the light of the world. And so look with me again at verse 16. This is our purpose. It says, for I, uh, it says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, you and I, we exist for God. Not for us, not for our opinions, not for our comforts, not for our wants. We exist for him, for his glory. We exist to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. That's what we exist to do. So will you be a light? Are you a light to those around you? Or does your constant complaining, your constant fear, your constant worry and anxiety, your constant accusing, your constant anger, your constant hatred, your constant life of, of sinfulness and unrepentance, your constant selfish pursuit of your wants and opinions, do those things hide your light for Jesus? Or do you wanna live for him? Do you want to be a light to those who are fumbling around in a world of darkness? Live the life that we've talked about today. That's the call of Jesus. Live for him and live this upside down crazy lifestyle that Jesus calls you to so that others will see the light, the hope that you have. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask him to show us what that looks like in our own personal lives. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for today. And Lord, we thank you for this life, this light that Jesus calls us to be. And our prayer today is that you would help us to see the, the ways in our lives that we're not light our actions, our words, our attitudes, whatever it may be that causes us to hide the light of Jesus in our lives. We pray that you'll help us to see those things and to correct them through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be a light to those who are lost in darkness. Use us, especially as we approach Easter now, we pray that you would use us to show people the salvation, the rescue that Jesus provides for them. So help us, Lord, to be those kinds of people. Help us to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.